Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We took Paolo Bancaro number one and we're thrilled. Penny and I just simply didn't watch Chet Holmgren. And I would have been happy either way had it been Jabari Smith Jr. or Paolo. And you know, we ended up just selecting this 19-year-old beast who most likely will be our alpha go-to scorer for years to come. What's not to like about that? Paolo shined brightest on a Duke team with heavy NBA talent. When they were making their deep NCAA tourney run, his teammates and Coach K, being in the last season of his long coaching career, relied on Paolo the most when they needed buckets badly. Paolo is really mobile for someone seven feet tall in shoes and, you know, reportedly 250 pounds. I think he's lighter than 250, but he's still very quick and mobile. And he has an elite Paul Porter name. It's going to be fun hearing Paul Porter playing around with Paolo Caro. We traded our 35th pick to the Lakers for cash and a 2028 second rounder, which, you know, anyone that that listens to us or sees my tweets knows that actually was not a surprise. Uh, But we did pick at 32 another 19-year-old freshman in Michigan's Caleb Houston, who just really interests me as a 6'8 guy who showed uh, way more ability playing for Canada than he did uh, for Joan Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Does that sound familiar? It could be Franz Wagner-esque, maybe. Uh, so we have these new additions. We potentially have our next star on a Dwight, Shaq, or Penny level. So now what? You know, Free agency starts this week. Uh, player option deadlines are June 29th, I think. Uh, June 30th at 6 p.m. is when free agency starts. Will Weltham mostly keep quiet, or will they try to build this team into a contender for a playoff spot now? Hopefully the latter. Do not rest on your laurels, Jeff and John. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. Okay, we are recording Sunday, June 26th in the afternoon. Uh, We're just going to kind of jump right into draft day, Penny. So uh, on draft day, which was Thursday, uh, Woj was saying and tweeting that it'd be Jabari Smith Jr. to the Magic, Chet Holmgren to OKC, and Paolo Bencaro to to Houston. And Woj historically does get draft stuff wrong. And uh, as we'll find out, he ended up getting this wrong, at least the at least going into the day in the afternoon. So Vegas betting odds, which we can't really gamble in Florida, so it doesn't do us any good financially. Otherwise, I actually probably would have put five bucks down on Paolo. Uh, but uh, on Paolo going one, because uh, the odds were so tempting at that point. But, uh, you know, Vegas betting odds over the last 48 hours going into the draft, it was, you know, Jabari was the favorite to go one. But then Paolo was made like a hard charging run and what i found out through brian windhorse podcast is uh that that came out uh on friday was he uh he found out that a few notable large betters uh heavily shifted the odds because they put a bunch of money at like 20 to 1 on paolo so uh they cashed pretty well if if that's all they did and it swung the odds so hard that paolo ended up being the favorite and then 
on draft day Thursday, uh, the odds shifted back again. Like in some instances, really, really hard. Like Jabari was like minus 20,000, minus 10,000 briefly, depending on where you're looking on the sports betting uh, at sports books and whatnot. But uh, I think it ended up settling at like Jabari being like minus 390. I think it was as the favorite. But, uh, you know, and that shift happened because if Woj just tweets about how Jabari was going one. And then at 1.45 p.m. our time, we sold, uh, well, we traded the 35th pick, uh, which ended up becoming Max Christie, a guard from Michigan State, to the Lakers for cash considerations. Uh, Eric Pincus says the cash was $2.2 million. Uh, the Lakers couldn't offer more. Couldn't offer more. Uh, they'd maxed out their, their cash uh, that they could give out. Uh, and uh, the Magic also got back a 2028 second rounder. Uh, the last time we sold a pick to the Lakers, it was Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, Penny, what'd you think of, uh, I guess maybe the betting odds swinging on number one pick and also this, this trade, which I think I predicted on the last pod that we were going to sell this at least one pick to, uh, to an LA team. And that came to fruition. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if you were done taking your victory lap yet or not for, but, uh, that's not much of a victory lap to take, man. (laughs) Like, uh, we, we give up these picks often, like three of the yeah. last four years now, the Magic have sold a second rounder to an L.A. team. And that's only because we didn't have a second round pick in 2020, uh, you know. And I think I can't remember the six man show or if the Orlando Magic HQ guys said it, but six of the eight. Uh, six of our last eight second round picks we've we've traded away or sold like it's yeah. Well, a a win's a win, and I have to celebrate your win there. And in terms of the betting odds, I think the biggest thing, um, and obviously it's been much uh, dissected all day leading up to the draft, uh, all day during the draft, and even post-draft, but uh, there there was so much subterfuge and smoke screening and and, uh, cards being played close to the vest by the Magic front office, but uh, obviously the decision makers come to a decision at some point, um, they do their best to not let that get out, but clearly there's a couple of sharps in the betting world that have a line into the magic front office. So kind of makes you wonder who the, who the source might be. Uh, I would put my money on, uh, Pete D'Alessandro, but that, that's, yeah, that's just, too. that, that that's without sourcing. I'm just bullshitting. I'm sure maybe right. I'm sure Pete didn't say anything, but, um, Unless he did, he might. Unless he did, then yeah. then we know we know you're yeah. the rat. Um, <laughs> Good use on subterfuge. Uh, when Weltman used it, uh, I couldn't recall the last time I'd heard it. It might it must have been in like a war movie. The last time I I heard the term subterfuge. Um, do you recall the last time you used that word, Penny? I've never said it one time in my life prior to this podcast episode. So it's a good word between subterfuge. Uh, coming from uh, Wilt, Wiltman and then dichotomy coming from Devin Kennedy. Uh, we're going to get not, smarter not as, the, as the years go along, I think. Now, so. now I will say I'll, I'll ask this question because this has been going around. Obviously, we've seen it uh, on Twitter primarily, but but in a lot of places that uh, the magic have now, by the way, they handled their pre-draft and draft process that they have now. Uh, angered and upset not only the players, but the players' representatives and everyone associated with Jabari and Paolo and and probably even throw Chet into the mix too. Do you do you buy any of that? No, not not at all. Mate, 
I mean, maybe Jabari Smith Jr. Because Jabari Smith Jr. genuinely looked pissed as Paolo got picked first. And even when he was going up third, he was not happy. Um, either that he didn't go first or that the Magic didn't trade for him. He, he was not happy. But uh, from Paolo, who is represented by Mike Miller, who unless Mike Miller is looking for some 19-year revenge, 19-year-old <laughs> revenge from when we traded him to Memphis, I, I don't think uh, – he he he's going to be mad, especially like when we won the draft lottery, uh, you know, Mike Miller, you know, there's right. that quick video clip where Mike Miller told Mosey like, hey, I got a guy for you at number one. And I don't think he was lying. So and then for I, Chet, I, also, I don't think I don't think Chet coming to the magic was ever really that in play compared to I really no. think it was between Jabari and Paolo. I know some some draft guys were like, oh, it's between, you know, Jabari and Chet. Well, clearly they were wrong on that. So, yeah, continue. Well, when you look at the Jabari reaction to me, I think that's more uh, a very confident, self-confident competitor being uh, motivated or angry that, you know, he believed he was the best player in the draft and he didn't get taken number one overall. And then just to circle back to the equity that we should have with Mike Miller, we, we let him bring a pet monkey into the practice facility for years. So I feel like uh, he owes us a little bit of goodwill still, even though we traded him to, to Memphis. I don't even know if that thing was up on, if we even checked if that monkey was up on its shots either. So that, that could have been bad. Um, but yeah, we, but Mike likes us. All indications are, you know, Mike likes, Mike likes Orlando and, um, he's had that close friendship with Tracy McGrady, McGrady, who does have a role with the magic. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I was, I don't think he, he would, he would be in a position where he'd want to screw us. I, I just don't think he'd want to do that, especially when he's got RJ Hampton on the magic, who he's going to try and get RJ Hampton to get more minutes at a minimum, if not even maybe push for a starting shooting guard role, if depending on how the off season goes, that's my viewpoint, nobody else's, but um, you know, Mike Miller is pretty new to the agency game and we have two of his clients. So that, that, that's going to be a tight bond going forward. Um, all right. So talking about how our draft day experience or draft night experience, yeah. I guess, you know, um, I was in the mood for crepes and the crepe place at 55 <laughs> West was closed. Unfortunately, I didn't realize they closed at five 30. I think we showed up at like five 45. So, my bad on that. So we went across the street to Kachina, the pizza bar. And uh, because we were trying to uh, get somewhere at 630, we uh, we were really quick and didn't even bother getting a pizza. We went with appetizers and the appetizers were really good at Kachina. I would yeah, recommend I'd it. Go back. Um, a lot of good, a lot of magic fans in there, too, uh, were in there. And uh, yeah, it, it, good start, I think. So, and then it probably should have been a good omen. Uh, of what was to come when we ran into David Steele in the Geico parking garage stairwell. Um, you know, I, I should have asked David who he, wh- wh- what he thought was going to happen, but he probably would have just told me like he didn't know or something or played a poker hand. But, um, you know, we sat on, on the side of the arena. So we weren't in like the main sections. We sat in section 102, which worked out pretty well because we got to see most of the building react to everything that was going on in there. Um, you know, the low Amway center lower bowl was basically full. Like there had to be well over 10,000 people in the building, which is yeah, a huge crowd. Program. I mean, would you say Penny, was it like double last year's crowd? I, I would say let's, we were sitting more uh, like half court sideline last year. So 
Um, I, but yeah, I would say maybe double, right? I, it, the, the, for sure, the entire lower level was basic, was at capacity. Yeah, it was uh, it was very good energy. And we'll talk more about that, I think, as I progress through this. But Woj tweeted uh, that Paolo was going to be uh, the pick for the Magic three minutes before the draft began. Uh, and at, you know, at 8 p.m. when the Magic showed off a montage clip of past Magic draft picks, everyone got cheered, Shaq, Dwight, uh, except Jonathan Isaac, who got some booze, uh, at least in our section. I don't know about the rest of the sections, but sections, but in 102, he got some booze. So uh, that was that was interesting. Um, there were lots of fans in there with Auburn gear, a lot of Auburn Tiger alum, I guess, that are that are here in Orlando, which I forget about that. Um, and of course, Chumo Kiki's an Auburn Tiger as well. So uh, we're going to get more of their fans. Well, we weren't we're not going to get more of their fans because uh, Jabari wasn't the pick, obviously. But uh, Jabari did seem to be the crowd favorite. Uh, Paolo was a fairly close second in the building. Would you agree or disagree? I agree with that completely. Because, I mean, then there were a few Duke fans in there as well. I don't know if they're Magic fans, too. But uh, Chet either got no reaction or even some booze when he was on the video board. So he was a hard third out of the three options for us. Um, I thought the reaction to when Paolo was actually picked first, uh, you know, the crowd reaction was just very just genuine and natural. And just there was like a there, like a bit of a, oh, oh. And then it's just like. You know, a lot of cheers and um, the crowd reacted really well in the building. I, you know, I took a video of it. I posted on Twitter and YouTube. Um, I don't you know, it doesn't it, it translates fairly well, not perfectly. Uh, but it, it was a very good reaction in person. Um, what were you thinking when? Well. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of the crowd reaction? Because obviously I showed you the tweet of who was going one. So there wasn't any surprise. But what do you think of the crowd reaction? Yeah, um, well, it's always interesting now, years and years and years, uh, to where the information is available before it's presented on the TV broadcast, right? So uh, I'm sure a ton of people in the arena could or should have known what was going on prior to it being announced, but obviously that takes part of the fun out of it. Um, I thought that it seemed to be there was more investment and involvement than I thought there would be. Does that make sense? No, you're right. No, I, I really, I really think you're right. And is yeah. that, is that just be, now? Do, I don't know that we would have gotten the same level of reaction if we had had the number two pick and picked the same guy that that was kind of my, my thought process. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, that's fair. That's valid. Um, I, I do think most of the people in the building did not know it was going to be Paolo. I, I think fair, I think maybe like 15% of the people in the building knew it was going to be Paolo. Uh, and so I think it led to what came. Cause I think, I mean, most people were thinking it was going to be Jabari at one. So, right. yeah. you know, there's that added shock and surprise to it. Um, I think, uh, I don't know what kind of numbers they did in terms of ticket packages sold during the night. Obviously that's the, the primary reason that they put the event on is to try and move some, some merchandise and, and primarily tickets. But yeah, uh, I thought that it seemed like compared to last year, I would almost say night and day. And obviously we had two high selections last year to get excited about, but I, I think uh, for some of the more casual fans that maybe haven't been as invested for as invested for the last couple of years that, 
that number one pick means a little bit more um, and people are more willing to to invest time and money and attention uh, back into the product, which is it can only be a good thing. No, absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of if we find out how much ticket a season ticket sales went up um, if we find that number out. But Paolo got picked. Uh, obviously, I already mentioned Jabari looked unhappy. Paolo was crying. He's so happy. Uh, Mike Miller looked like the proudest person in the room. He was happy. He was clapping and smiling. I could see that grin from way back in the in the room. But, um, you know, I personally was expecting a trade to come. You know, we, you know, we took Paolo and I was I was expecting that, you know, Chet would go to to OKC. And then when Houston came up at three, that the you know, that they take Jabari or a trade would be announced and then Jabari would be taken to that. The magic would end up with Jabari and Houston would end up with Paolo. And, you know, it didn't happen. The magic released that Paolo press release really fast. Like I should have took that as a sign when they released the Paolo was, was a number one pick press release so fast. Um, that, and I should have took that as a sign of Wilhelm. We're not going to trade, you know, make a trade at that point. And, you know, it didn't click into my head that we weren't trading with, with Houston for Jabari until like the sixth pick because time went by pretty quick after that. But, um, you know, I, I think well, uh, well, uh, Jeff Weltman and Jamal Mosley came out and talked to the media way before that sixth pick even came about. I think it might have been like around fourth or fifth they came out and they were just emphatic was that Paolo was the guy and it wasn't being traded. And I mean, what's your thought process? I know it was pretty close to mine. I don't know if it was exact, but what were you thinking that, you know, Paolo's picked and we're just kind of waiting, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the primary thing with the magic uh, keeping everything so buttoned up was to have leverage for trades and they had succeeded up until three minutes before the official announcement, you know, mostly. So uh, the thought was that they had done their job and that they might then be executing step two, which is to cash in on doing their job in step one. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that I was anticipating something happening. Um, I know that you were more anticipating maybe uh, something bigger, you know, yeah. to, with the rest of the assets and Terrence Ross and all that. And um, I, yeah, I really thought it lined up perfectly for uh one to three kind of, kind of deal, which we've seen recently. And obviously the organization has done in the past. And, um, but to your point and very astutely when the press release comes out they're they're not moving him, obviously. Yeah. And, We'll talk more about Paolo, but you, you're happy with this pick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's we got a go to guy now and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, how quickly that comes to fruition. But I, I think that's going to happen. Um, so quickly, before we get into breaking down Paolo and and just everything, you know, around the number one pick and whatnot, you know, shout out to Andrew for the NBA Top Shot. Uh, packs and pinstripe shirts and gift cards he gave us in the Geico garage. It looked like a drug deal. It wasn't, I swear. Um, we each got an ice penny and shack t-shirt out of it. Uh, though the concourse apparel options were scarce and not, not that great. Uh, they need, you know, I don't know if they didn't realize how many people were going to show up. They should have considering you needed to, you know, download the ticket, reserve the ticket via the Orlando magic app to get in. 
Um, but I want to be fair to the to the team. We were not able to access the uh, the big magic team shop like front entrance to the to the Amway Center. Right. But on the concourse, you know, the uh, terrace level there, yeah. there were only two team shots, team shops open during the entirety of, of, of the event. One of them basically half children's sizes. Right. And yeah, and you uh, apparel. So your your options are limited there. And then you find stuff you like, but only one shirt size on the whole rack. So that was disappointing, especially for some of the. Uh, some of the homage t-shirts that are really cool. I know one was like a, a pretty cool penny shirt that uh, we had interest in, but couldn't, couldn't make a purchase on. Yeah. Um, I think they left some money on the table. I'll yeah. leave it at that. And then uh, after the number one pick, I think it might've been after like right after the second, you know, check got picked. Um, they did that four shot $50,000 challenge, uh, which they, you know, they, we both tried to, you know, signed up for, and we're hoping we, we'd luckily get picked. Didn't happen, but not having a rebounder for the three people competing in that was total bullshit. When you have 30 seconds to, to make four shots, you know, a layup, a free throw, a three pointer and a half court shot. Like you basically have to go perfect. Yeah. You, you basically, depending on how you shoot it, you basically get one miss because you got to get your own rebound and then traverse all the way back to half court at the end. So you miss a three pointer, you're, you're pretty much screwed or you might have one, one heave from half court. You got to get, you got to almost go perfect. Yeah. So um, nobody, I don't think anyone even made a three, right? No, I think only one person got to the three point shot, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, um, yeah. So all right, Palo at one. Uh, the Magic smokescreened everyone, including Woj, uh, except some betters that I already mentioned who probably made some good money off of it, but uh, F Apollo going one. But uh, the next 24 hours after the draft, so basically Friday, was just people covering their tracks or just straight up praising our front office for being so tight-lipped about the pick. Uh, you know, people were like, in my two do- you know two decades of covering the draft or the league, like I've never seen a foreign office organization, you know this, uh, you know th- this good at, at keeping uh, a-, a pick away from 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 us from 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 leaking basically. So, uh, you know, so there were some people then questioning like, well, Magic had what first pick? Why were they so, you know, so so deceitful so quiet so whatever you know dropping smoke screens left and right well part of it i'm sure was they were trying to get okc or houston to make a trade that was part of it but um that's just how Wilhelm operate i mean they you know for better or worse that's they make things interesting um you know already you know i i don't i don't think anyone really got hurt out of this except maybe jabari smith jr and his folks but um yeah i, I don't know any thoughts on on that any I don't know how many pod have you been listening to this? I, I doubt you've been listening to as many podcasts as I, ha- as I have had over the past 72 hours, but um, you know, what are you, any thoughts on what you've been hearing and about some of the, some of the, the stuff being said? Yeah. Well, I think just the, you know, basically staying abreast of the general sentiments and uh, it's always funny. People can, they have to praise because otherwise then, their work comes into question, you know, so uh, very, a lot of track covering and a lot of uh, backhanded praise, I think. Um, but no, I don't think 
look, even even Jabari Smith Jr., even if he was potentially misled, he's still walking into a good situation for him and, uh, you know, several million dollars. So he can't be too upset. Yeah, he's going to make like $7.3 million this season. He'll be fine. Paolo is going to be making at a, a, around $9 million. Uh, so everybody makes money. It's good. Um, the Devin Kennedy, I thought, did really great on the radio coverage with uh, David Steele, Dante Marcatelli, and Jake Chapman on 96.9 The Game. I went back and listened to it. It's like two, two and a half hours long, but they posted it as a podcast. Uh, Dante on that got some good stuff from Weltman who he interviewed, I guess, a day or two prior to the draft. Weltman mentioned he told teams that if they were going to try, you know, if they wanted to try and trade with them for number one to connect with him early in the week and not during the draft, uh, Jeff confirmed that they're moving into the new practice facility in July. I would guess that's probably going to be after we get back from Vegas Summer League. Uh, Paolo apparently won't be playing for the Italian national team at Eurobasket this summer. So he'll be at summer league. He'll, he'll wait a year uh, for, for Italian national team duties. It looks like, and just focus on, on Vegas and magic stuff. So, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, he's, he's going to be the face of, of a franchise and, you know, the more acclimated he becomes with it, it, it it's fine. Um, Paolo is going to be wearing uh, the number five Jersey which might be a, another bad uh, Mo Bamba sign, though the team announced that Mo is going to be taking the number 11 jersey, his high school number, but Bamba is going to be a free agent, so we'll see if that ends up mattering. Um, Jonathan Gavoni on the Low Post pod said that Paolo and the Magic met in person at the draft combine for an interview, which is new info, if true, because Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel did not report that while he was in Chicago at the Combine. Um, you know, in the Weltman Jamal Mosley presser right after Paolo was picked, uh, Jeff just out of the gate was explaining how thorough their process was with Paolo, uh, despite him not coming in for an in-person workout. Uh, which was I thought the, the that statement was just very important how he broke it down. It's it's a little weird. Because even Paolo had said that it was quote unquote unfortunate uh, that he couldn't work out. So I wonder if he got sick, caught COVID or something, and or maybe they they already saw him and this is just another smokescreen. Maybe they saw him in New York a few weeks ago uh, at, as that was a rumor, and he just he, they just didn't bring him down to Orlando, but they you know they saw him maybe a few weeks ago. Um, Jeff did lay out kind of how the team had multiple touch points. A lot of Zoom calls. Uh, he passed kind of all their health and personality standards. You know, they, they they met all those and so on and so forth. So they're happy. Penny, I guess, what's your thoughts on the workout stuff? Uh, you know, not working out a number one pick is, is weird. Uh, I'm not concerned. I think we overrate workouts sometimes, as long as you're getting kind of the other info you need. And this, this isn't weird for the Weltham regime though. They, they have a history of not working out guys that they end up picking and Jalen Suggs is being the most recent example of that. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, there's every single part and piece is a component to both the process and um, the comfort level to make a selection. So obviously the more you can do, the better you feel about it. But I think it's important to remember too, that 
the draft process is a 12 month thing for everybody involved in, in it. Um, yes. And, and even more and longer more than that now, longer right? Because, years from like uh, high school. Yeah. They're every single prospect, potential prospect, potential, potential prospect is in the database and information is getting added to their file. Um, for years and years and years prior to them being draft eligible. So uh, obviously it's not like the magic or flying blind and picking someone based off, a, you know, a grainy VHS tape or something. So um, also I think it's important to remember too, that the in-person workouts now it, you're, it's not like you're bringing them in the gym and you're having them go five on five, no. you know, you're it's uh uh, you're getting the the workouts one on zero against a chair or, um, you know, with with some of the player development coaches where it's, yeah. just, it's almost a formality. You're bringing them in so they can see the facility, meet more people, um, and you're just getting another chance to get a feel for them in person. With the way the world has been uh, the last couple of years, I think everybody's gotten very comfortable with zoom and obviously you know when also when you're playing at a high profile school like duke um where they're very familiar with making sure everyone has appropriate access to to their prospects um you know i i don't think it's a huge deal and obviously the the front office didn't feel like it was a huge deal because it didn't impact their ultimate decision yeah i mean like Paolo was supposedly going to come the weekend before the draft didn't happen, but uh, kind of like you said, like how many times did Matt Lloyd and like other members of the front office or scouting department watch Paolo in person at Duke games, probably at least a half dozen times. Like they, they might've had a, a Paolo Bencaro file on him since like middle school. Like a lot, like they have files on these kids since middle school now, not even high school, but um, you know, did coach K give us like on campus access to Paolo for practices and other things. Probably likely, you know, it's, you know, Weltman also mentioning how a freshman in an, uh, in a March Madness tournament is really a sophomore and that kind of him thriving under that. And the fact that it was Coach K's last season at Duke was was some was telling, I thought, in that presser. Um, they saw Paolo rising to the highest occasion. I think that was a big deal and why they went with him instead of Jabari, um, you know, when. um you know, with Paolo, I'll give you the stats, but in 39 games played, it was at 33 minutes per game, 17.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists, 1.1 steals per contest, 48% shooting from the field, 34% from three-point range, uh, and as well as 73% at the foul line on 4.8 free throw attempts per game which that would lead our team uh, if uh, if he came with 4.8 free throw attempts per game. Mm -hmm. uh, Cole Anthony led us in free throws last season at 3.9 attempts. I think Paolo will actually get the line plenty as he's not afraid of contact. He's got that football background like Fultz, Suggs, probably even like a couple other guys on the team have. Uh, David Steele looked up Paolo's last 11 games. So to end this, you know, so the last 11 games of Paolo's college career when the, you know, game pressure and importance had risen at that point, ACC tournament, NCAA tournament. Uh, Paolo averaged 19 points per game, four assists. I think rebounds were about the same, maybe a little less, but 52% field goal shooting, 45% three-point shooting. He got better at the end, and that's that's a big deal. Um, 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on the numbers and him kind of, I guess, rising to the occasion as things kept going? Yeah, well, even I would say even the advanced numbers and probably get into it a little later, too. But just uh, in terms of the Magic's decision making process and ultimately uh, choosing Paolo based on some of those advanced, uh, you know, space creation, shot creation kind of, you know, opportunity yeah. advantage plays. So um, we have not had, obviously, uh, a player like that in a long, long time. And it's it's exciting because even though the three is an efficient play, um, a layup and a free throw are even more efficient. So anything that we can do to create advantage opportunities, get into the paint, get easy buckets uh, at the rim and get to the line, can only do more to make our offense flow better and for the offensive numbers to look better. I mean, we, it's, it's been a long, long time since we've had competent offense, even when we were, you know, squeaking into the playoffs a couple of years ago for a couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, Paolo can, can do it all really. He can dribble, he can create, he can get to any spot on the floor. His one-on-one defense is fine. Like I know Jabari is currently viewed as not being able to dribble, that's a big deal. Jabari is, you know, better and more diverse defender, but I think Paolo's offense and just potential as a whole just outweighs that. Like I know Jabari shoots threes better, but as we just discussed, Paolo hit 43% from three in his last 11 college games. Um, Paolo is the early odds on favorite for rookie of the year. Do you, you know, I, I mean, do you, do you agree, disagree with that? I mean, he probably would have been the favorite had OKC or Houston gotten him as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the number one overall pick has to be the front runner for rookie of the year, right? I mean, not always, but I mean, I think with such a high scoring profile, I mean, yeah, it would have been weird had he not. And we'll get into this. Obviously, we have months and months till the season tips off, but I think it's going to be really interesting um, with in terms of who's going to do the bulk of the ball handling with Markel, Franz, Paolo, um, whoever the second guard is. Yeah, it's there's there's going to be a lot to figure out, but it's going to be um, it's going to be fun, exciting and and hopeful. You know, it's not going to just be, we're not just going to be throwing people out there. It's going to be for a purpose. Um, and the development is going to be really fun because somebody's going to have to take it. And uh, it looks like it could be based on, you know, everything we've seen, but it could be Paolo. Pay space pass. And we actually got some pretty good passers too uh, right now. So, um, you know, you mentioned the, we haven't seen like scoring potential for like this in a long time. I think Philip Rosman Reich, uh, our friend, our buddy who actually saw it, Kachino briefly uh, yep. draft night had the stat where the magic have not had a 20 point per game, non-center scorer in a season since Steve Francis in 2005. So we're due, I think. Um, were you able to, how much were you able to watch ESPN draft coverage after, uh, after, after we left the arena, Penny? I, I'm going to say I watched as much as I could bear. <laughs> I ended up watching the whole thing. I was up till like the end, which was, I think, 1.30, I think, something like that. Maybe I went longer, but uh, I thought the ESPN draft coverage was horrendous. It, it was atrocious. It was it was bad enough that they compared pa- parts of Paolo's game to Michael Beasley and Ben Simmons. I, I just... <laughs> 
neither of those guys are as big as Paolo. Um, you know, and, and I know Beasley was probably what, like six, eight, six, nine, Ben Simmons is like six, 10, but like Paolo and shoes is seven foot, but like, it's, it's, it's different body types. Like they're not like, they're not as beefy as in a good way as Paolo. And it's, I just, I, I, I just thought it was lazy comparisons and I thought Kendrick Perkins was just the worst. Um, Plus ESPN not having an actual draft analyst were just huge glaring weaknesses to the broadcast. Um, Woj tweeting out picks was one thing because uh, I'm I'm a Twitter addict, but it's it's bad TV when he says a kid who is sitting in the green room is going somewhere before he's even made aware of it by his agent or teams. Like Woj does, he doesn't need to be on TV. I don't care how much you're paying him, and I'm sure maybe Woj demands that he's on TV. So that's, that's probably a factor in it. But if he wants to have a pissing contest online, just keep it online. Not everyone is on Twitter like me. Paolo was crying tears of joy when he went one. Um, you know, so maybe he, he really genuinely didn't know we were picking him until, you know, one minute before Silver announced it. Um, you know, had he been paying attention to what Woj was saying or tweeting, that, that could have lessened the moment. It doesn't look like it did. But what did you think of the ESPN draft coverage? And I know ABC had their own draft coverage, which I didn't pay attention to um people didn't like that one either yeah i did not uh catch any of that except for some replays that they used on sports center the next day i i really don't like the they're doing that with the nfl draft now too where abc becomes like the stories you know the yeah. personal stories get highlighted and then espn is the more sport oriented analysis um i guess well, honestly i wouldn't be, i wouldn't have an issue with that if the espn broadcast had an actual draft guy and right. i actually want some criticism like i i want like a bill simmons guy shitting on a pick i do <laughs> i really do like it's you got, hard to put a guy in the actual event space and then shit on the pick in front of the guy right but like let's let's just but the, let's make it then that the abc feed is the one that you hear in the draft room okay in the room and then ESPN, it's you're getting actual critical analysis. Like, that's, I was that's what say, I want. I was going to say, to be fair to ESPN, they did lose a very important, uh, you know, draft analyst right before the draft to go work for um, the Portland. Portland Trail, yeah. Trail yeah. Mike Blazers. Schmitz, Mike right. Schmitz, who picked Shaden Sharp, who he loved in his mock drafts. So, right. um, but yeah. to also be fair, uh, to fans who are looking for great coverage, um, ESPN should have, they should never be caught with their pants down. There should always be someone waiting in the wings to, to emerge that they should be grooming. Um, so yeah, it felt like there was a lot miss. Look, I don't miss like Fran for or anything, to be honest with you. Um, but there should be more expert analysis and, and opinion available and and not uh you know uh Kendrick Perkins getting into what lip bouts with everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, look, Malika Andrews was fine. I didn't even really have that big an issue with Jay Billis. I just I just need a guy to actually like critique picks. Like, I don't even care if you necessarily shit on the kid. Like, I, I don't, I you know, which first off, they're they're making millions of dollars. Anyone picked in the first round is making millions of dollars. So you you, you know, you, that's what you sign up for. But I mean, just an actual critique of like a fit of a pick with an NBA team, just something yeah. like that. It was just like, you know, picks great, picks great, picks great. Like I, I didn't hear one like actual criticism of it. I really didn't. Um, 
And that that show just it, it get the draft has been getting worse for a long time. It, it's been getting worse. So I don't know if I, I don't know if ESPN's got it in them to to make some changes, but I hope they're they're hearing the dissatisfaction people had with with all that. So any other thoughts before I move on to who we picked um, the 32? Yeah, I also don't think they they are they're gonna give a shit because I'm pretty sure the ratings were up like 30% year over year. So yeah, uh, they're just gonna keep rolling with what they got because they have a lot invested in Kendrick Perkins and not a lot invested in what they're giving to the fans necessarily. Yeah, I guess it's I, I just need perk off my TV. Like that's that's what I need. But um, all right, so pick 32, the magic took Caleb Houston who's six, eight freshman from Michigan. He's a Mississauga Canada man, like Andrew Nicholson. There you go. Uh, there's 30. So in 34 games in Michigan while wearing number 22, which is Franz Wagner's magic number Franz wore 21 at Michigan. And he took 22 with the magic because Mo Wagner wears 21 for the magic, I guess. But uh, Caleb uh, Houston will be wearing number two for the magic. He averaged at Michigan, 10 points, four rebounds, 1.4 assists per game. He shot 38% from the field, but 36% from three-point range. So he was mostly a 3 and D guy, um, shot 78% from the free throw line. The mistake I made with Franz Wagner last year was I was only focusing on his Michigan highlights. I, It's a really good lesson learned. With Caleb Houston, it'd be a similar mistake if you only looked at his Wolverine highlights where, you know, I don't know. Jawan Howard maybe limits these guys sometimes to, to the benefit of, I guess, maybe the magic. Who knows what Houston becomes. But Houston for Canada, where they won the under-19 World Cup bronze last summer, uh, which winning a, a medal for Canada on any level is, is a big deal for, for, for them because it, it's, it's just huge because usually, you know, the U.S. and even a few other countries get, you know, get favored in these, in these tournaments like Serbia, Lithuania, Greece, et cetera. But um, in, you know, he was arguably their best player. Caleb handled the ball a lot for Canada. I could see him playing some point guard at summer league. I can definitely see it. He averaged a Canada best 17 points per game in that under 19 tournament, which ranked fourth among all players as well. Um, he shot 35.5% from the field, only 19% from three. Part of that was he went 0 for 8 from three against Serbia in the bronze medal game. So that didn't help his averages. He shot 85% from the free throw line, six boards, 2.4 assists, 2.3 steals in about 32 minutes per game. He scored 25 points in a close loss to the U.S., which is not a, a small thing at all. Uh, and Caleb, I don't, I don't know. Did, did you listen to the Friday po, po, uh, press conference? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level with you. I wanted to, and I turned it on, and there were some audio issues, and it, it – it did not grip me. I felt like we'd kind of heard everything already in advance. Okay. Be honest with me. Did it sound like from whatever you heard? I don't know if you heard Caleb Houston talk, but I thought Caleb Houston kind of sounded like Jay-Z a bit at the press conference. <laughs> uh, I did not get that. I'll have okay. to listen again. Okay. Maybe maybe my ears are going to, to hell. I don't know. But um, that's, that's what I got. It's not a bad thing. It's just very unique. I was like, guys from mississauga canada right like where anyway so um he's a montvert academy kid he's already familiar with central florida he was florida's gatorade player of the year mcdonald's all-american so 
we're keeping up with this Wiltham draft tradition of drafting high school blue chippers. Um, you know, he's definitely known for shooting at Michigan. Uh, you know, guy, we'll, we'll look back on guys behind pick behind him, like uh, Coloco and Arkansas Jalen Williams. But I actually think this is a good pick now that I looked at, especially the Canada stuff. And we'll see at Summer League. Any thoughts on 32? Did you have your eyes set on anybody else? Um, I, I never have my eyes set on anyone strictly because, first of all, this regime, as you noted, gets rid of uh, second round picks at the drop of a hat. And then also there's just no point in prognosticating or hoping when you're 32, 35 players down the draft board. But uh, it is interesting to note that, um, you know, the, the profile of his game is so different in international play as opposed to collegiate ball. Um, I think that the strengths that we drafted him for are ones that are most translatable into the NBA. And you talked about his kind of woeful field goal percentage, but he only took uh, 115 two-point shots the whole college season. Oh, wow. So, you know, I mean, he's he's obviously primarily going to be a three-point shooter um, and and – as you know, the free throw percentage is what everybody looks at when they try to determine, uh, you know, if if shooting will translate to the NBA and there's no concerns there up at, you know, 78 percent. So, yeah, uh, shot looks OK. We'll see what happens when he gets going. He'll he'll be, I think, even more than Paolo. I think it'll be uh, interesting and important to to see how he performs out in Vegas. Yeah, no, for sure. Um were you as disappointed as, as me that Ross did not get traded? Um, I'm ready for him to go. I don't care when it happens. And I all I here, I'm gonna say this if it's okay, if I'm go allowed to speak on the podcast. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, man. Why would I not allow you? Everyone, everyone's going, Terrence Ross deserves to be on a contender and he deserves to go play for a championship. Oh, that pisses I, me off. Too. I don't think he deserves anything other than to continue getting his guaranteed NBA paycheck. But he has not, in my opinion, look, has he been a solid player? Yes. Has he presumably been a solid person? Absolutely. Um, has he been one of the best magic men of all time in terms of, impact or importance or gone above and beyond i say no no um and no he he deserves to go somewhere where we get an equitable return and that's it yeah i you know i would have done the ross in 32 to philly for an injured danny green and pick 23 unfortunately philly realized the anthony melton is way better than terrence ross and went with memphis instead uh if if Terrence doesn't get dealt during the summer, I don't think we'll even get two second round picks for him. And I, I just, I don't want him on this roster to come training camp. Other guys have earned more minutes and touches in my eyes. And, you know, the reason why he's been backtracking on his comments is because I think either the team told him or his agent told him that, Hey, because you shot like 29% from three last season, like no one is really too excited to get you right now. So, um, it's, you know, any, you know, the big thing with him is he's going to make 11 and a half million next season as an expiring contract. And that's almost more appealing than even his ability to shoot, which I do think he can bring a playoff team, some very good shooting off a bench. Like if you leave him open, like he's going to probably drain close to 40 or above 40% from three, but it's not something that he was doing with the magic. Like 
one like putting 20 you know the first playoff year aside it's it's he, it's been a down downward slide with t ross performance wise and you know we'll see with that so i'll, I'll leave it at that but I, I yeah i appreciate you pointing out what um either other people or other podcasts have said as far as like t ross deserves to be on a contender that's that's crap i'm sorry he is not he is not put in in my eyes, he hasn't put in what he should have, what he could have put in the past. Look, and few we seasons. don't, and 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 very briefly too, we don't know exactly the injury situation. What's what's yeah, hurt, he's had bad what's shots, injured, and what's uh, tanking, you know, tanking. But his value is certainly not at an all-time high. No. All right. Um, some good news, I would say, the Magic are bringing back radio broadcasts of of games, so there's going to be no more TV simulcasts. Jake Chapman's going to be the 96-9 the game play-by-play guy for calls. So that's uh, very cool for him. I do feel sad still that we got rid of Dennis Newman during the pandemic. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't know if you got any thoughts on that, but uh, this is going to turn into a rant for me here in a second. Well, I'll get in before that. I, I like Jake Chapman. Um, I listen occasionally uh, to the Mostly Magic podcast that he puts out, and I think that he's a pretty solid guy overall. And uh, years and years and years ago, well, okay, we see Dennis Newman from time to time at visiting arenas when he does the concourse walk at halftime and occasionally at home arenas over the years. And nothing but the best there. And one time I saw him renting a movie at a blockbuster. So I feel bad for Dennis Newman. And certainly I miss hearing Dennis on the call on the radio. Um, But it is nice to have an actual dedicated radio broadcast back because the TV simulcast is certainly not the same thing. No. And that's, that's nothing against, you know, David or, or Jeff, like it's, it's completely different calling a TV game. Uh, as opposed to radio radio, you got to bring more details to it. And, you know, when it's a TV broadcast, they're obviously going to put TV first. So um, with Dennis, I'll, I'll be quick with Dennis because uh, him and I talked a lot, actually, either uh, at uh, usually it'd be, you know, if not before magic games, when I was covering the team, it'd be actually during like halftime when he'd come down uh, during the break or whatever, and I, you know, I'd see him maybe like, a, you know, a couple dozen times uh, during the se- during a season, um, you know, for magic games in between that break. And just a really good guy. And I miss yep. hearing his voice. I really do. Um, all right. Rant time. And uh, I will tell you now, Penny, this is going to be a long one, probably. So uh, okay. I will ask I, I will try and get you involved in this, but uh, also feel free to jump in or feel free to just mute and like go for a walk. That's that's <laughs> fine either way. But, um, you know, I'm going to apologize to anyone I ever offend ever when I open my mouth to stuff uh, genuinely, you know, I'll, I'll buy a, a drink or something to make up for it. Um, but I'm never shy to chat, especially when it comes to the magic. I'm a 34 year old Greek guy born and raised in Orlando with a lot of perspective and opinions. Um, this magic is, you know, this magic franchise is old as us. Like I you know I was born in 88 and uh, yeah, I mean, it's this franchise is old as us. You, you know, you're a little younger than me. You're, you know, same thing. So, um, and I, I don't know why I'm going to be inspired by this, but I finished rewatching the wire, which I know you watched it. I think, a year or two ago, but, uh, the wire, probably the most brilliant TV series ever. 
Um, and even watching it now, I can I can say with full confidence that it's just a brilliant, brilliant show. And I'm just feeling inspired by that last season five with the Baltimore Sun newspaper storylines. But I thought the Friday afternoon press conference, the one that you're talking about with the audio issues and stuff with Paolo, uh, Caleb Houston, Weltman, Mosley was very poor. And maybe everyone was tired. Maybe people are, you know, you know, low on sleep. Um or they weren't maybe prepared to handle some of Weltman's responses because Weltman is Weltman's response style. It's not as outgoing as say John Hammond's uh, for better or worse. Uh, but this has been kind of an ongoing negative trend where I, you know, I noticed uh, Philip Rossman Reich and Jamie say had some very solid questions, questions, but there were some very uh, uninspired questions asked during that 20 plus minutes overall. And we have the number one pick. There was just no energy in that room. May, again, maybe you chalk it off to people being tired, or sleepy. I, that's, you know, sure. But I mean, I've seen this happen in other situations over the past years. And it's just time now that we have the number one pick for local TV and media to step it up. I know media organizations are not paying and giving benefits out like they used to, but locally, we just have to do better. Like tanking should be ending now. If we're not competing for the play in at a minimum, like that, that's we're, we're on the up, basically. Um, Phil is not traditional media. He does a great job with Orlando Magic Daily, but he can only do so much. The professionally paid folks need to show up. Uh, you know, Dan Savage and Josh Cohen, they work for the Magic. They work for the team. They can only go so far when asking certain questions or else their hands get slapped. John Den was in the same situation when he worked for the team. That's just how it works when you're the team's reporter. Um, Kobe Price. Has a long way to go. Uh, when you know, good luck to him. I wish him just genuinely good luck with the Orlando Sentinel. There's just a big hole to fill with guys like Denton and especially just John Ro- uh, Josh Robbins not being there. Um, hell, from a Sentinel perspective, I still miss Tim Povtek. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not doing that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. I'm not trying to play journalist. Uh, you know, I'm I'm good with this pod. Penny, you and I have been podcasting since what 2010, 2011. You remember mm-hmm. the year? Um, if Google didn't screw us out of our advertisement money, we might've had enough money to end up becoming the basketball Jones. Uh, you know, I created this current podcast show late, late in my blogging life. It was, it was sometime in 2016. I took a hiatus to focus on my career that I actually get paid for and getting through, you know, the early portions of my MBA program and then brought back the pod. This is episode 68 of the show. It could easily be 368 if I want to just pump episodes out, but we try to keep it fun for us. You know, you're never going to hear an advertisement on this show. And I've been offered, I swear, I've been offered advertisements. I just, I don't care. Um, There's no need to pump out more than one or two podcasts a month, you know, podcast episodes a month when we've overall been this irrelevant as a franchise for a decade. There's there's other magic podcasts for that, that are coming, that come out with stuff weekly and good on them. Um, I tell Penny that, you know, I tell you, Penny, that the day this pod stops being fun for us, we're going to end it. It's still fun for us, right? Uh, I love it. (laughs) Can you be more enthusiastic? (laughs) That was that was like I was holding a gun to your head. Um, But, you know, when I was covering the team, the, the Sentinel had at least three guys writing about the magic like I. I don't need football guys pretending to care about basketball and not knowing what they're talking about in regards to regards to the magic, like 96, nine, the game, they've got the radio rights to the team. They still don't dedicate enough 
you know, time to the magic. Some of that's on us as fans for not pushing them, but we have the number one pick in the NBA now. So fuck you know, football. This is bigger. Like globally, it's bigger. Uh, Paolo likely is going to represent hope for Italians everywhere from a basketball perspective. Like the whole, uh, you know, I already said like the whole left behind by Josh Robbins is still enormous. Then too, like the athletics still hasn't filled that vacant magic beat writer position since it became available in October. And they probably never will fill it if they, if they haven't done so already from a, uh, from a perspective of the ringer. I listen to a lot of things on the ringer. Um, no offense to Kevin Clark and Steve Cerruti. They're huge magic fans. I don't need Bill Simmons thinking that they're the end all be all of magic fandom. Like I'm glad I'm really, really genuinely glad that they're magic diehards. It's awesome. I'll get a beer with you guys one day. If like, if you guys are down here, uh, but keep, you know, can keep continuing to share your exuberance and your unique viewpoints, but they don't live here anymore. You know, currently, um, you know, they'll visit, I think. Uh, but you and I, Penny, we live here. We live in Orlando. We know that Wall Street has gone long gone to shit. Like downtown is is almost dying at, 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 in some aspects. Like it's it's down to Pine Street and Lake Eola when it comes to bars and nightlife, because a lot of that stuff's moving out like Mills 50, Ivanhoe, Park Avenue, Milk District are the places to be. And just that added local perspective makes a difference when it's about when it comes to like gauging the fan base. Kevin and Steve are you know both mad that he didn't take Chet Holmgren. Fine, hope they're proven wrong. But like with with the national media, what they should be doing is reaching out more to local Central Florida area folks who cover the Magic and interviewing them and getting a a, a, a viewpoint on the team and. The, probably the reason they don't do that is because there just are not many options to pick from. Um, that's why national media takes about the magic over the last six weeks are often bad at best. We saw it Thursday night, both at Kachina and, uh, you know, being, being in Amway Center. Fans are nervous that our ownership in the front office will find a way to fuck this up. Uh, you know, Weltham just cannot be satisfied only with what happened Thursday night. Um you know, I, yeah, I mean, do, do you agree with me about the nervousness we, we encountered with fans about fucking this up? It's like, oh, the magic are going to screw this up somehow. Right, well, and it's, it's frustrating to me. And I think to you too, um, as, as lifelong fans that this regime is its own regime, right? But the, and, and the franchise has had great success on several different occasions over several different eras so yeah it's not like we're some bumblefuck franchise that has not accomplished anything um you know compared to let's say minnesota who came in when we did or compared to sacramento who's yeah. been you know off the rails for decades now uh i feel like the national media lumps us in with some of those franchises that have not reached the heights that the magic have more than more than once. Um, and, and just even the simple fact of not acknowledging Markel Fultz's impact on the roster seems like a glaring oversight. Nationally. Or even Franz in some cases. <laughs> like, right. um, we, we live in orange County. We, we live in a blue County politically. I think people need to be reminded of that, that don't live here. Um, there are a portion of Magic fans that are just never going to fully invest their hearts and money into this franchise because of the DeVos family. Yes, I'm going down this road again. Again, if you're annoyed, I'm, I'm sorry. But they're, you know, these, these fans, they're comfortable just watching on TV instead. Roe versus Wade was overturned. 
Orlando City, who was owned by the Wilfs, who sold a small share of the team to the DeVos family, immediately put out a statement, immediately bashing the Supreme Court's just unforgivable decision to overturn that. You know, the Magic haven't made a peep, though. And things like that over 30 years add up. Real life matters on that large of a scale where we now live in a country where guns are valued, respected, and protected more than women should overshadow, you know, should overshadow sports, but it doesn't. And that's fucked up. That's, that's, that's my viewpoint on that. Um, you know, I'm glad the magic have built this new athletic training practice facility. That's about to open soon. That's a block away from Amway center. Supposedly the Paramore community will be able to use it for medical and and rehab needs uh, with any bodily injuries. Like you and I, if we break or tear something may be able to use it one day. That's awesome. That's cool. But Church Street is mostly desolate now because the Magic are decade late on this entertainment complex project across the street from Amway Center. On top of that, the I-4 expansion project eliminated just hundreds upon hundreds of parking spots that were a dollar an hour that were super convenient. It immediately made accessing Church Street in downtown as a whole more inconvenient and expensive if you're using parking garages instead, you know, if you can't get like a free you know meter spot or whatever at night but all that was just was supposedly to lead to soccer and basketball fields being built under i4 for public use that hasn't happened it's still dirt under there there's no fields there's no courts it's nothing this was supposed to be done a decade ago and that's more on local government the magic but it ties together the only portions of church street doing okay are what's near orlando city soccer stadium and 55 west that's it the DeVos family through the Orlando Magic Youth Foundation has done some really has some has done some nice things locally in their 30 plus years of ownership. I'm not going to deny that. Do I think they could do more? Absolutely. But it gets far outweighed by the money and Republican Party influence they have in this country. The money they've put into certain causes they support has harmed millions, both here locally and around the country. You can't go hands-off caretaker mode with this Magic franchise when you're influencing decisions that are harming your fans, literally. Nuking public education alone is bad enough, and I know people listening are rolling their eyes saying, here's Pops going all political and whatnot. I was an independent voter until I switched Democrat two years ago because Florida is a state that has closed primaries. I wanted to vote for Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, you know, but... I couldn't do that as independent. So I switched. I, I, I don't believe in political parties. I don't. I really don't. But um, that's going way deep down the hole. But the DeVos family opened the door when they went full on into Trump because, you know, into Trump becoming president and getting into that public spotlight. You know, Betsy DeVos has her face and her hands all over in education right now, uh, still. Um, and then seven, eight years ago, I, you know, I wouldn't have been this passionate about the DeVos family needing to sell the team. That all changed, you know, since 2016 for me. And they're the reason why some NBA agents steer players away from ever signing with us or worse when they become free agents here as magic players, sending them elsewhere. That's a thing. That's an issue. Um, you know, it's why certain national media members will try their best to avoid covering us. And then when they do, it's not done well. So uh, that and, you know, maybe we get bundled together with the whole state of Florida anyway, you know, as a whole. But, um, you know, Orlando should be competing with Miami or Dallas for free agent players. 
We're a tax-free state. We have great winter weather. We have a competent front office right now. There's, you know, there's just way more to Orlando than theme parks. You and I don't care for theme parks, you know, um, and our ownership is what holds our potential back. You know, Rich DeVos didn't get booed when we won the Eastern Conference Finals in 2009 at the old arena. That would change today, I think, because of how much more information society has access to. If we win the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA title on our own court and Dan and Dick are accepting the trophy, you'd hear some boos among those cheers. Maybe it'd be noticeable on TV, maybe not. And maybe it's going to take boos for them to actually sell this team finally. But I don't see that happening because they saved so many millions of dollars in tax franchise write-offs annually because this country's tax laws are a joke that I don't know where a money offer would have to begin for them to sell. There's some magic fans that don't pay attention and literally only focus on the basketball portion of it. That's fine for you, but I don't operate like that. My conscience doesn't handle shit like that. I love this magic franchise. I don't love ownership. It's weird that we have, you know, high character, good moral players on our roster, but we can't demand the same from our ownership. If Shaq and 3D want to put a group together or someone else that actually wants to invest in this community and not move the team to another city to buy this franchise, go for it. You know, I don't think we can do worse than what we have now. And, you know, I believe in karma, both in sports and in life. And I don't envision us winning an NBA title until this franchise gets new ownership. Jeff Wellman and John Hammond have to do everything perfect to overcome it. And that hasn't happened. Like they've done good things, but I've also noticed like other people and a few other pods have been really, really trustworthy in, in our front office. They've been fine overall, honestly, I'm being proven wrong on the boots trade. Cool. you know, but they've made mistakes in the draft, you know, just look at their draft history with even just Isaac and Bamba at the moment. Um, but hopefully Paolo and Franz can make up for it. And I, we need to get Isaac out of here. Like it, it might happen sooner than later if the DeVos family doesn't interfere. Uh, I'm never buying that man's books. I'm never going to promote his books on social media. That's just not me. Yeah. There's there's probably a contract waiting for him on a Fox News cloud server somewhere. You know, whenever he decides to stop with basketball, you know, maybe he'll have a long career. Maybe it's coming to an end sooner than we think. And if the DeVos family sold the magic to a group that, uh, you know, that what that I didn't view as evil, I look into buying season tickets tomorrow. I don't want to give that family my money. That's just what it comes down to. Like, I would rather go to road games than than have to buy, you know, have to buy a season ticket package. That's that's where I'm at. Um, you know, I hate that they they have a minority share in Orlando City soccer. I almost canceled my season tickets and I still might. And that's all I got to say. That, that went longer than I've wished. I don't know if you have any thoughts or if I should just move on. But um, yeah. uh, well, I want to. OK, well, we'll just say a couple of things from strictly from a basketball perspective. I feel like the ownership since 1992 and then 1996 has done a pretty good job of aside from Alex Martin's putting their hands in the pie in terms of basketball decision okay and also bending the county and the city over for new arena but other than that (laughs) that that, that's worse to enjoy basketball than the old one right anyway but but in terms of staying out of the way and being willing to spend money which certainly they have enough money to spend it but um they haven't prevented the team from seizing opportunities on the court when they've been available so correct yeah 
from that singular angle, that should be commendable and is what you want in terms of sports ownership to not prohibit the team from achieving success. Yes. Um, Thank you for clarifying. I want to circle back to the podcast should be fun. Um, And I think that sports should be fun too, right? Like, so you and I are best friends going on, God, 20 years now, if it hasn't been 20 years already, probably yeah, 20 years basically. Months, so. Yeah. Um, and the, I think for the draft night party was the first time that we'd seen each other in person in a month or so, or maybe more than that. So just as life goes on, I feel like sports are important, but they're not the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and as things happen personally with, uh, you know, health and well-being and then politically and yeah. the world at large with everything that seems uh, gloomy and overarching, um, the sports should continue to be a haven uh, and a place where people can come together positively. Um, and, and it's harder to do that when there is, uh, I, I don't know the word I want to use, but it's harder to do that when there are undertones across the organization coming down from the top. And certainly the charitable efforts are, are commendable. Um, I don't really give a shit about <laughs> turning the, the black tie and tennies into a wine auction. I think that that speaks to <laughs> the, the type of ownership that we have, but also they're splitting their time between uh, Grand Rapids and, and Orlando. So it's yeah. not even the full weight um, and the full uh, economic impact that it could be if there was an ownership group that was committed full time to Orange County and to yeah. Orlando. Absolutely. Um, so, a few basketball but, courts doesn't make a difference. Right. Uh, again, bill, billionaires giving a couple of million shouldn't, you know, that I, without getting too political, that should be the bare minimum. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is optics related anyway. So um, yes, that's, that's commendable, but I don't think we should be, you know, letting them take a victory lab for that that should be reserved for you calling the second round pick getting traded to la so look i i i the the world is a lot the magic should be a place where people can go to feel inspired feel connected um and more than anything i think also feel civic pride i mean there's oh yeah especially for for long playoff runs and and things like that where it's like every yard has a sign in it and every mm-hmm. business has a flag up there's you and i both know that those those times are incredibly special yes um and and become touch points in people's lives that um, are binding and connecting in a way that it's hard to find anywhere else. So, um, it's, it's tough. I, on a, on a shack and 3d note, I would be very hesitant to have them, uh, but that's how I view current ownership. Like I'm with you. Like right, I, I, right. I, I am, I am. Yeah. But uh, there, I would say that it could be worse uh from a basketball perspective than it is and it could certainly be a lot better from a humanitarian perspective than it is um and i think that's probably where i where i land on that yeah it could be yeah i mean we could have like a saudi arabian like consortium like i'm with you like there's there's stuff that it can be worse like (laughs) it it can definitely be worse like i i am in 
uh, I'm a fan of Everton in English Premier League. They're looking at new ownership and like the options are not great right now. So uh, with people that are stepping up for that. So I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I will say that, you know, Rich DeVos, I think, is definitely ha- has a lot to blame for Shaq leaving, um, as well as also very uh, faulty uh, CBA at the time. But um, And let's also say, too, in terms of the, the fan look, the organization has always been a family run organization. So whether you want to even get, you know, a, le- a layer or a lever- level deeper than strictly DeVos family ownership, all of the highly appointed uh, power brokers and decision makers are, are, you know, in lockstep. So let's say that too. And uh, I don't see a sale on the horizon anytime soon as the grandchildren continue to get more entrenched in the operations. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of the ringer, which I talked about <laughs> earlier, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Waltman's interview on Ryan Rosillo's show was very good. I don't know if you heard it. Did, did you listen to Rosillo's show, Penny? Or I no? did. Yeah. Yep. He talked about Paolo, his size, his IQ, great shot mechanics. Jeff just really has a thing about guys being in the 90th percentile of anything. I don't know <laughs> if I could cut, if I can think of, of stuff that I guess maybe like we're in the 90th percentile of magic fans. Maybe I don't know, but uh, like, it's just very, like he, he really has a thing for this. So he's talking about how Paolo was in the 90th percentile in both shots created for himself, as well as shots created for others. Uh, like, you know, they like his passing ability. He also mentioned how Jalen Suggs, even in his rookie year, was in the 90th percentile of, de- of defending. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff with, with that. Uh, Jeff just very specifically mentioned not how Paolo is not just a good mid-range shooter at the moment now already, but at 19 years old, but that he can shoot off the dribble, which is a big draft advantage over a guy like Jabari Smith Jr., who isn't known as being a guy who can do much off the dribble anyway. So... I thought that was uh, interesting. And then Jeff admitted to Franz, admi- finally admitted to the Franz Wagner workout and dinner. Uh, you know, we only knew about Franz's, I guess, secret magic workout and soft promise from Franz's family. Uh, and how, you know, Jeff is just really excited for that Wendell, Palo, Franz front court. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, well, it's always nice to actually get candid information from he's a fan of Rosillo's show so there you yeah, go yeah so uh in the future i guess that's where we need to go to try and get additional insight uh into the mind and operations going on yeah um so then uh we'll talk about how I, honestly for me it, it did not click in my mind it did not kick into my mind that we that we had not just the number one pick but we had paolo until the day after the draft Friday, when I was looking at Paolo was on, I think uh, on Scott and Pelt sports center segment. And then Paolo was on ABC, good morning America doing interviews like that stuff that only the number one pick does basically uh, in that, on that, on that level. And it's great. Like Paolo seems excited. Uh, people look at him like he's Shaq or Dwight for better or worse. And I just hope that he can handle that. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts of that? Or should we just get into free agency stuff finally? Yeah, no indications that he's not uh, going to, you know, at least ready to attempt to take on the task of being up to those expectations and the spotlight and the pressure. And look, we talked about in the last pod, I think that, you know, 
the number one pick carries a lot in terms of hopefully more national attention, nationally televised games, et cetera. You see uh, a magic player on Good Morning America. That really makes it hit home. All right. Free agency talk. Let's do it. So assuming the magic guarantee Mo Wagner uh, here in the coming days and Devin Kennedy doesn't get waived. I think there's like a partial guarantee, but I mean, I, it, I'd be stunned if, if either Mo Wagner or uh, Devin Kennedy uh, were not on the team, like they, they should be on the team. And then you include that Jabari or I mean, the Paolo and uh, Caleb Houston sign that we're at 13 guys under contract once that's all done. Um, so that leaves us two regular spots open and two two-way contracts. So let's talk magic free agents. Robin Lopez, Penny, think uh, he sticks around or you think he, he ends up on like a title contender instead? Yeah, I think it was one and done for Rolo. What do you think? I think if he goes anywhere, it's going to be to Milwaukee. Like they could actually use him. And I honestly, I'm at like 30 percent. He stays right now. And it's actually probably higher than what most people think. I just, He's a really good vet to have on this team. He's still 34. I like having at least one guy that's older than me on the team <laughs> at this point. Cling to it. Um, you got to hold on and cherish, cherish it, cherish <laughs> it. Um, but I, I think Rolo's going to end up like a buck or something, um, which sucks because, you know, I don't, I don't know if we'll pay him $5 million again. Oh, actually, no, we would. We'd pay him $5 million for a year. But uh, it, it's it's one of those where I he's got to want some playing time. Or if he doesn't, then be on a championship contender. But maybe he loves Disney so much that, you know, he's good with the magic. Or maybe he just wants to do Disneyland and he'll go be a Clipper or a Laker. You know, who knows? But, um, yeah, I you want Rolo back, though, right? Or you don't care? Um, I, I don't care either way. What I care about is there has to be more veteran presence. So yeah. if you don't bring him back, who do you bring in his place? Uh, basically assuming Terrence Ross gets traded and then there's Gary Harris up in the air. Who Who is going to provide the veteran presence on the roster and where is it going to come from? What about Michael Carter-Williams? uh sure i mean either he's not seeing he has the key to the gym he's got the key to the gym still i think i mean that's fine but i he's not gonna i you know also i think steve clifford might take him to charlotte now but we'll talk about that (laughs) in a second oh all right gary harris so i think free agents well actually yeah let's do gary harris free agency timing is everything with gary like if we don't hear news on him for the first few days i think it's more likely that we bring him back honestly um maybe some people can view it the complete opposite i do but that's my viewpoint um how many years i wouldn't give him more than two i do i do just one year and i give him a player option and i front load it so that i mean what's the uh, we have a lot of cap space to work with. We got like 28 million in cap space, even after like Paolo signs his $9 million deal. And let's say like Caleb gets like a mill or something like we, I think we have like 28 million in cap to work with, not including the cap holds and, you know, our free agents and whatnot. But um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we're, you know, do you think Weltham are going to get cre- you know, creative or elaborate or go for like a, a win now type of move? Cause I don't really see it. No, that's the question that you have to answer before you make a decision on Gary Harris, right? Like, I 
I still don't think that there's any chip pushing being done this summer. So if that's not happening, um, then in my opinion, Gary Harris gets the Jeff Green special. Yeah, like he made he made like 20 mil his last year. Like I wouldn't I, I would go because I, I don't even because Gary's good. Gary's really good. He's a three point assassin, especially in the corners, like the percentages, this numbers all indicate that he's more valuable than say like the five million dollar tag that john hollinger incorrectly put on him like gary's freaking good he can make a title contender really freaking good uh because he's a defensive guy that can shoot like that's that, that that's the name of the game now in these postseasons um i i would go i i would i wouldn't go higher than 20 mil um and i'd really like to do a one-year special but i mean from a job security perspective like i you know, if you don't offer Gary multiple years, I imagine he he would just go on a title contender for a year. Um, I, I would do, I would front load like 19, 20 mil. And then one year at 20 is just as good or even better than two years at eight on a, you know, better team. Well, the mid-level, he'd get at least the mid-level, I think, which is at, I think, 10, 11 million. I think it's pushing 11 million now, the mid-level with the, the yeah. cap and figures. So, um that's why I say, like, do like a two-year, thirty-eight mil. Like I, and I, I mean, would you start him as a shooting guard right now, or would you rather a guy like Suggs or Cole be the second shooting guard? Because I would be fine starting Gary because I think you need that veteran out there. Uh, I would prefer to start Gary, but you have no choice. There's too many people to plug in. You got to start. I think you have to start Suggs at the two. Yeah. Well, you're, well you're, I don't think you have to. On that. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think we have to, but I here, here's the thing. I have a conspiracy theory that RJ Hampton is 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 going to have not just more minutes, but I, I think when he comes back from and go, goes into training camp, um, I don't know if we see him at summer league, but uh, if we once he gets into tra- training camp and and preseason games, like I I'm just saying, keep keep an eye on RJ Hampton getting shooting guard in small forward what's, minutes what's the property value like on hampton island because i think you're the only one there it's overinflated, but i'm i'm writing it out right now probably now but like he shot over 40 percent on catch and shoot threes like terrence ross shot like 30 percent on catch and shoot threes like he as long as you don't play rj hampton in like a primary ball handling type of role like he's good he can defend he's he's getting really strong like we saw as the season progressed like how much bigger he was while still maintaining that speed and he shoots a three like mike miller he makes a three like mike miller especially when he was winning titles in miami or whatever like he rj hampton can be really freaking good and i'm going to slowly open people's eyes just like i did with how gary harris was turning his season around in december i did the same shit okay um i think rj like he's not going to start coming out you know to be opening night like i i'm not that delusional but to say that he's like a throwaway piece i just i don't agree with that i i really don't i think there's a lot yeah, with rj will so, it enter existence we'll see um i can be persuasive sometimes once in a blue moon but um so so what do you think you think gary's sticking around um if i had to guess right now i would say i'd say yes do you I, I think he's, mm, I'm saying no. I think Gary ends up 
going towards a title contender. That, that's what I think. He's going to do the Otto Porter special where he's going to go win a ring for somebody. Um, now, as a uh, valuable member of the Orlando Magic fan community, and, and some might say the, the mayor of that community. <laughs> okay, stop. Come on. Do you, do you believe that Gary Harris has earned the right to go to a title contender and that he deserves it? More than Terrence Ross. Okay. Are you in the same boat? I mean, he played for a title contender and got hurt, and then he did his time dutifully here. And again, should we celebrate him for doing that? Or he's the vet. He's the vet the I want. Description. He's the vet I want on this team. Between, like, I, I want him here. I really do. Like, I think he he's he was really he he's done really good stuff chemistry wise with the guys both on and off the court. Um, similarly to to even Robin Lopez in a way, and you know if. Do I want to pay twenty million to have that? No, but if you're not doing anything big, now you know you might as well go this route. But I don't think he's. I don't think we bring him back. I think Gary's going to go somewhere else. That's where I'm at with that. Yeah. All right, let's have the Mo Bamba talk. So, what's the price tag for you to bring Mo Bamba back? I've already said. I think last pod, I I wouldn't give him the full mid level. Like I, I think. If he wants multiple years, I'm not going above seven mil. That's where I'm at with big men. I don't think Weltham value big men, especially guys who would be playing backup um, that much. And you're seeing how the league is pushing, is shifting towards, you know, not paying centers a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, I'm extremely low on Mo Bamba, as you know, um, and really. I mean, there's no better alternative. We're going to have money anyway, uh, I guess. Whatever a tradable asset is, because at this point you are building for making that home run move, right? I mean, assuming you're not going to be able to acquire a, a franchise changing or, or a, a piece that puts you over the top via free agency, then you need to have at your disposal nice tradable contracts. So whatever that number is, if it's seven, if it's nine, if it's whatever, um, on a short-term deal, I, I guess that's what you're trying to accomplish when dealing with Mo Bamba this summer. So is three years, 33 million too much for you? Jeez. Well, it seems high. That's the mid-level. I, yeah, that's the mid-level. Right? It's the uh, inflation. All right, here's the thing. Business. Would you, okay, who would you rather give the mid-level to? Mo Bamba, Nick Claxton or Thomas Bryant? Ooh. Man. I'd give it, I'd rather give it to Thomas Bryant. That's if I'm paying, if I'm having to pay that much, I'm giving it to Thomas Bryant. Huh. I mean, in my head, the first thing I thought would I, easy answer is Nick Claxton, but I think it over. I, there you go, being persuasive again. So that's where I'm at. Like, if, if, I, I, or, I, I think or, of those three, I think Mo Bamba, I would rank him third. I would too. And look, I know Mo can, can you know, he, he finished the season out well. Like you, right. we have to give him that. Like he even hit some clutch shots in some games. Like no denying that. But I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we've capped out his consistency, uh, you know, abilities at this point. Maybe there's more to come. I mean, he's still, what, 24? Like he's. You know, sometimes big guys take a long time to get there. I mean, sometimes it takes them till they're like 30 years old for them to get there. Um, but I, I would rather go another route in that instance. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the magic, 
depending on what happens with say like an Isaac, like they could probably, you know, Paolo isn't known as a shot blocker. Wendell can block shots, but you know, not, you know, not at an elite level like Bamba can, but is that enough to, to keep him around? I don't think he'll keep, he'll go for the qualifying offer for a year. Like I think he wants multiple, a uh, multiple multi-year contract. Um, and they'll probably get it from somewhere outside. And then it's up to us if we want to match it. But if it's a mid-level exception type of thing, I'm not, I'm letting him walk. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on Bamba? I, I, I agree with you. And uh, I certainly like at, at the end of the day, we're on the same page that he is not a future foundational piece of the roster. What, so from a center perspective, so we have Wendell, right? Um, We've, would you be okay with Mo Wagner being the backup center? Or do you think we need to get us somebody? Or if Jonathan Isaac is healthy, since he's likely not starting, would Isaac be the backup center? Yeah. I mean, I think that, the, well, I don't know about that, but I think that there's enough length and height and versatility that we already have on the roster to shuffle three, four, five and fill those minutes. So that's the point I want to make is I don't want to be in a situation where we're paying a guy the mid-level when we don't have to. So that's, that's the, so you made my point there, I think. Um, all right. Bobo. I'm in this situation no. and viewpoint where why did we wave PJ Dozier at the trade deadline when we acquired him, but then we hold on to bowl the whole rest of the season, knowing that he probably wasn't going to come back and play at all. And then why would we just hold, you know, let him walk now in free agency. Um, David Steele on the radio broadcast at the draft thought that one of Bomba or Bull would be back. Now, I personally don't view the, that type of correlation. Bull's not a center. He's a perimeter player in my mind. I know I know on like all the websites, Bull Bulls is as a center. He's not. He's a perimeter guy. He's a power forward, small forward type of guy. Um, we could probably sign him for the minimum, which I can't recall off the top of my head what it would be, but it would be significantly less than Mo Bamba. Um, what's, what's your bull bull feelings? Like, do you, do you think he's coming back based off my thinking or is he, is he not? Your thinking is sound and reasonable, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I, you're right. Uh, A lot of my I, thinking means nothing sometimes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't envision him coming back. I think that the magic got to see, they got an extended look during, you know, the rehab and everything else. And um, I just don't see the the availability in terms of minutes or roster space to take on uh, somebody or retain somebody that continues to be a long term project. I mean, I don't think he, could, he would. I mean, he, he'd be the 15th guy, basically. So I, that's I. I, I just think he's I think we're going to sign him at the minimum. I think he's going to be here. I think there's going to be some a little bit of roster shuffling with, you know, T Ross going out. So that still technically leaves room for a vet or two, um, be it Gary or MCW or Rolo. Like that's I, I think he's back. That's that's my viewpoint at the minimum. I think he's back. So um, any any other thoughts on the magic free agents before we get to some outside free agent stuff? I, I think I, I, I think that what you're looking at is going to be very close to what it's going to look, what it's going to be on, on opening day. Yeah. I, I'd like to be more optimistic than that. Uh, but it's, you know, when you see those rumors about the magic offering themselves up to supposedly be, 
you know, the third team in big trades where it's like, we'll take a, a dying contract um, in exchange for draft picks. Like I know the magic have the reputation of not like leaking stuff out like that, but that that's kind of a logical kind of Jeff Weltman, John Hammond type thing that, that I think is a thing. So, um, all right, I'm going to throw, I'm going to just mention some outside free agent stuff. Um, so like I said, the magic theoretically have about 28 million in cap space. Um, so they could sign guys like Anthony Simons, who we talked about Portland picked shade, shade and sharp. So he could technically replace Simons and play next to Damian Lillard Simons local Orlando kid. Pretty sure he's named after Penny Hardaway. Um, I don't think he, I don't know if he hundred percent has verified that or not, but, uh, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I guess the worry is that if the magic were to kind of go for it, I don't know. I don't know if they'd actually be looking for a more established guy than, than, than Simons who is really good. You know, he's not the tallest guy in the world for a shooting guard. Um, I don't know if that turns people off, but I mean, he, he can shoot it and he's got the hops. He's got a, you know, he's got a dunk contest trophy. Um, unlike some other guys that we've, we've had give it a go. Um, but I, I don't think that Weltham would go for it, but I just want to throw that name out there as a guy that the magic would look towards. What are, what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on that? There's intriguing uh, aspects of his game and he's produced offensively in certain situations. Um, I, to me, he is not the guy that I would make a move for. And I think um, defensively, I don't think he fits the profile of what our front office uh, regime is looking for. Um, I, some of the advanced numbers are particularly woeful um, yeah. defensively. And uh, it just in terms of the, the uh, vision for the team and how it's being constructed, I have a hard time finding the fit there. Uh, what about Jalen Brunson, who is 26 similar uh, height is, is a concern. I, you know, with, yeah, I, yeah. I'd rather pay that type of money to a younger guy like Simons. Plus I think Brunson's either going to end up staying in Dallas or he's going to end up being a New York Nick where they, they, they got his dad to be on the coaching staff. Um, you know, Brunson's really good, but I just, I don't think I, the guy you want to sign in this situation for that much money is technically going to be the go-to score uh, as Paolo kind of gets it going at, in, in his rookie year and beyond. Is, is that kind of the viewpoint here? Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, Rick Brunson, uh, Jalen's dad, also a former Nick himself. I look Brunson to me, I agree with you. The concern is the height. Um and I, man, obviously he performed exceptionally well throughout the playoffs and has been a contributing as a key member um, to, to Dallas. But Dallas has to make a really difficult decision there, too. Is he yeah. going to be the number two or even number three guy paired with Luca to get them over the hump? Um, and if they make the determination that he isn't, then why would the magic make a determination that he is? Um, I, yeah, I think with, Brunson, I, I have a lot of concerns yeah. there and whoever, whoever pays, 
particularly if, if he goes to the if he goes to the Knicks, mm. um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that contract turn into one of the more uh, bloated ones over the course of a couple of years. Yeah, I think with Brunson, I think we finally saw like as the playoffs progressed, like kind of the limitations in his game. And like, I mean, it's it's his height is an issue with especially when in that deep of a playoff run, like it became an issue. Like it was almost like the Jameer Nelson kind of weakness there where it's having big guys at at, at each and every position. It's it's a it's a big deal in this league, in my mind, especially when you looked at like the NBA finals matchup there, um, you know, having advantages on like the wings and stuff is, is, is a thing for sure. Um, I'm going to throw this name out there to you. Uh, Malik Monk, who was 24, who did not have a good go of it in Charlotte, but had looked good with the Lakers. I wouldn't, I would not, this would be like a mid-level type of thing. Like I wouldn't yeah. give him more than the mid-level, but, would he be a guy that you could see as the sh- starting shooting guard or is he kind of, is he, is he not up to that level? That's kind of my viewpoint when I throw that name out there. Do you, do you acquire him and potentially like a sign and trade for, you know, ma- getting Ross out the door or something like that? Like, or maybe Mo Bamba, maybe. Well, yeah. yeah. It's hard to, it's again, just my perspective and look i i you know we're we're smart but i don't i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> i it's hard again a 20 something year old kid who's not a finished product in any sense and to bring him in um and then promptly put him in front of you know other people that you're still trying to develop and also really determine what you actually have um, if we were at a different point in this rebuild, then the answer might be different. But to me, I think that's another one where it's, he's a little too far away from being a guy that you tab and go, okay, this is the person that we want to bring in. Cause we know exactly what we're going to get when we have them. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think monks the way to go for, for this team, but, um, I just, I wanted to throw that out there cause I actually had stock in him when he was drafted. Um, and I kind of wanted the magic to get him uh, at the time, but um, let's talk vet vet signings here. So I have two vets listed here. I don't know if you if any others popped into your head, uh, but I have Joe Ingles, who's thirty four, and I have Carmelo Anthony, who's thirty eight, uh, listed here. I first off, I think Carmelo is going to stay a Laker. Like I, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to leave there. But Joe Ingles doesn't have a team right now, and you know, he once he suffered his injury, like Utah fell off a cliff. Like Utah is in, is going to change drastically now that they don't have kind of their glue guy in Joe. And he interests me. Plus, I like an Aussie who shit talks a lot. So um, <laughs> I, I I would actually like this signing. Uh, it, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be wanting to go for a ring. That's the thing. Like, do you do the Robin Lopez special? Do you do the Gary Harris special? I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give, uh, you know, Ingles like 15 million. I don't, I, but I, I think about the mid-level maybe for him. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, it's a, mm, I, I don't know. What's your viewpoints on, on that? Uh, I obviously like Joe Ingles a lot. Don't know what the recovery time would be for, you know, when he's going to start being able to actually ramp up and play again. So why not uh, take a year off, but of 
probably want to find a, a organization that has a good support staff. We have a new training staff. center. Yeah. It's brand okay. spanking new. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to play a, a, you know, a, a huge role regardless of where he is in the next season. So if you're talking about a one-year pack, then um, I don't see why we would be excluded from his list. Um, but yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. Uh, you don't have to comment on this, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if from a backup big perspective, the Magic went the Ken Birch European special route. Yeah. Uh, I, I threw, I, I listed a couple 30 year olds and like Eddie Tavares and Mustafa Fall, who are uh, like elite big men in the Euro League, but they're just, I don't think they're fast enough to handle NBA b- ball, but some that type of level of big that can block shots is basically where where my viewpoint would be on that uh, or potentially block shots so i'm just I, I just wanted to list that just to say like don't rule that as an option um all right the last free agent thing i want to talk about was dwight howard because dwight comes up every year um like dwight just like it's been multiple years for a while now where there's magic fans that are like oh bring dwight back he's not the veteran this magic locker room needs um yeah. rollo in that aspect alone is more valuable than Dwight. Um, also, I don't see Alex Martins or the DeVos family supporting a Dwight Howard signing. Uh, you know, D12 left a decade ago. Enjoy those good times, Magic fans. I do. I cherish them. They were great. It'll be great to see Dwight in the Basketball Hall of Fame as well as the Magic Hall of Fame. It's just not happening where I, I, I ever see him in a magic jersey again. Maybe at best for him, it would be you sign him and then, you know, and then he retires the next day. One of those things. What's your viewpoint on the Dwight stuff? Because we have to um, mention this because it, yeah. it's always showing up on magic Twitter. You got to keep him as far away from the team as possible until you're uh, lighting up his faulty podium in the magic hall of fame. We have to mention how the, the, the podium lights weren't working for uh, both John Gabriel and Pat Williams. So they got to fix the lights I hope on that's not an uh, omen, like an ominous thing. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, I don't want to think hey, about I, that. I have one name for free agency that Go for it. Uh, we didn't touch on. What, and what about Ricky Rubio? Do you see any? I just, I, I'd rather stick with, go with Fultz, uh, Cole, and Devin Kennedy as the as the uh, point guard options. I love Ricky. Ricky's great. Rick, Ricky is going to make a team awesome when he's back on the floor. I just, I don't think it's going to happen here. Also, I, I don't know. What's your viewpoint? I don't think we're going to invest money in, in point guards. No, I don't think so either. Um, I think that we've had a very nice discussion here today and it'll be funny when uh, Tony Snell and Ed Davis are the people that are on the roster in a couple months. If we sign Tony Snell, we're definitely tanking for Victor Wimbenyama, and I'm going to be pissed because we tempted the uh, the lottery gods, the fate of you know the, that fate already with 14% odds at the number one pick. The odds of us getting it again are not great. Um, obviously, I know we it happened in '92 and '93, where we literally had one ping pong ball in '93 and we got it. This this is completely different, and it, it, it's I, my my heart can't take tanking. Again, like I, it, like there's no there's no need to go down this route again. I, no. I I really don't think so. And saying that, I'll probably be disappointed. Walt Hamill rip my heart out and go down that route. But oh yeah, let's start trade targets. And the thing is, is 
I don't really, I have one like serious situation. I just wanted to bring up guys who are currently trade targets though. Um, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. I say, hell no, stay away from agree or disagree. Agree. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mentioned previously height in the wear and tear are a concern with him at this point. Plus I think he wants to be in Miami. If he doesn't stay in Utah, I just, I, I, I I was willing to push my chips into the pot, and I I'm hesitant now on that. I don't know. What are your Donovan Mitchell thoughts? We've we've had talks about this before. Yeah, again, I I don't think the timeline is quite right, and I don't think that that's the guy that we push the chips on for. Uh, then it's probably the same viewpoint on an older Bradley Beal who has definitely has wear and tear concerns and. You know, he wants to go to contender if he ever leaves D.C. Like, he's pretty loyal to, to staying uh, in D.C., but if if they if he goes, it's going to be to a contender, which we are not currently any disagreement with that. No, and, you know, he they were younger, but the lack of success with a superstar star player like John Wall, too, doesn't bode well either. Yeah. Okay, I have a crackpot type of idea here with uh trading for a 34 year old kevin durant uh so Kyrie obviously might be gone from brooklyn one way or another and sean marks who i i respect a lot as a front office guy he wants control again of the situation and maybe rebuilding is the way to do that so if Kyrie leaves uh and durant doesn't want to follow him because i I don't know why he would because Kyrie's kind of backstabbed him with some of the stuff that's gone on like durant basically wasted last season because of selfishness of his friend. But, um, you know, obviously if we bring Durant over, you know, he would get the keys uh, to run the offense for at least the first year or two and help raise up the, the value and really just raise up the play of, of our team. Um, but does he want to be in Orlando? Does he want to be, uh, you know, does he does he care about the DeVos family? I don't know. He loves being in New York. Like everybody knows Kevin Durant loves being in New York. He loves being in a big market. Um, you know, the magic would have a cap space to do uh this trade that that I'm gonna bring up now. Um, but you know, the salary cap figures for uh, for, you know, for, for the new year that starts later this week, it's gonna be uh, the salary cap is 122 million dollars. Uh, the upcoming season, the magic, as you, as you said, as well, you know, the DeVos family has had no issues with the magic being over the salary cap. Um, even during these most recent years, as long as they're under the luxury tax line, which will be 149 million this upcoming season. Um, that gives the magic some, some room to play around with. Uh, if they do want to take in say bad contract, you know, dying big contracts, as a third team in exchange for draft pick capital, you know, stuff like that. But here's my Kevin Durant package. All right. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, who New Yorkers may pressure him to get vaccinated or not. You know, if, if that's an issue, they can just flip him, I guess, again, to another team. But um, if he misses more games due to injury, then next summer he could be weighed for just $7 million. Like that's, that's what it comes down to with, with Isaac. Um, Terrence Ross, who they can also flip Ross if, Brooklyn's in a tanking situation or they can just let Terrence shoot 29% from three that that'll help with tanking. Um, Jalen Suggs is the, is the big uh, player piece. Uh, If, if Brooklyn values him and sees him as 
the top five guy that he was last season, the guy that can be a two way beast. He's kind of the guy that, you know, along with say a guy like Ben Simmons, you can rebuild into an interesting situation. And then I would include the bulls, 2023 pick Denver's 2025 pick. And then one more first magic, first round pick from the magic for Durant, who's going to make, $44 million next season, $46.5 million after that, and then $50 million the last, the, the, you know, those are the last three years of his contract. So, you know, you'd have about $35, 36000000 million of money going out and Kevin Durant's $44 million coming in, which would fit and put us at around, I think I have us at around $103 million if that's, you know, and not factoring in our, our, our own free agents. So we're still like about $19 million on the cap. So on top of that, we could even take on Joe Harris's final two years at 18.6 million. And the last year is just under 20 million and fit that into our cap space by trading them, you know, Mo Bamba, who, you know, I, I don't, I think if he picks up the qualifying offer at 10 million, you can trade them or you can do like a sign and trade. Um, maybe they take, they, they take Bomba at the mid-level exception. Um, so we would have cap to take on Joe Harris's, uh, contract in that situation, but I'm not giving up more than that. That's, you know, I'm not giving up more than the bulls nuggets and, and one more magic draft pick plus, uh, Isaac Ross and Suggs. That's, that's where I'm at with that. Um, you know, the magic could roll out a lineup of Wendell Carter, Jr. Kevin Durant. Paolo Bencaro at the three, Franz Wagner at shooting guard, and Markel Fultz at point guard. Um, you know, I already said KD is potentially could potentially be a great teacher for guys like Paolo, and I genuinely, you know, I genuinely think we would make a top six push it going if we went this route the upcoming season, assuming Durant played, you know, 50, 60 games even. Um, what's your what's your viewpoint on this? And if, if, you know, and do you have any other trade ideas in mind? Cause that's it. I'm I, done with the yeah, trades. I've been staunchly anti. Well, first of all, I don't think there's realistically a world where Orlando is on Kevin Durant's radar. Um, I've been staunchly opposed to your uh, KD trade ideas simply because of uh, the fact that he will be 34 years old for the upcoming season and coming off, you know, previous catastrophic injury. So um, that's a, 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 an older and more... Uh, it's a worry. Damaged 34. Um, but if that was what you were giving up to acquire him, uh, not that it's necessarily unfair, but it, it seems... Uh, from a magic perspective, you're you're not losing anything crazy. Um, so, well, that depends on how you view Suggs and Isaac, I guess. But yeah. um, uh, but I yeah, from from that perspective, that's a deal that if it was on the table would have to be something to seriously be considered. Um, and what's the goal? Because you have to bring Paolo along at such a rate that as KD potentially begins to decline Paolo's ready to step up and take over um and really if you have Durant on your roster you you know you're, you're not just playing top six right you're trying to go top for four for yeah. and who knows what vets we could then sign on the cheap as well that's right. the other yeah. thing but I mean like Durant's Durant's had a rough go of it here in Brooklyn where la like last year he had a phenomenal run where he almost 
beat Milwaukee. Like he, he was literally a foot, like a toe away from beating Milwaukee basically. Um, and then this past season, because Kyrie wouldn't get vaccinated, like James Harden left and that Brooklyn Philly trade looked like both teams lost because Ben Simmons didn't get on the floor for Brooklyn. And, you know, that team that was in the playoffs with Brooklyn is way worse than what Kevin Durant would look like on the magic. Like a magic team with Kevin Durant looks infinitely better than what that Brooklyn team was when they got swept by Boston. That's my viewpoint. I don't know. You agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I just think that, you know, I, I I'm with you. Like the, the real, the, this probably isn't realistic because Durant is going to try and be on a contender or at minimum, a big market where he's at least, you know, got a chance to, uh, to attract, attract, you know, people to come with them or whatever. Um, but you know, if the magic wouldn't be a championship contender this season, but I, if you get into that top you know, four and win a series or two, like I, I really think that the year after that, when all these guys that we have would have all that experience under their belt, I think we could be, make a serious run, but again, it's not, it's very likely not happening, but I just wanted to throw that out there just as a, as a situation that I view as interesting. So uh, any other trade thoughts, any trade ideas from you? I am just, the only thing that I'm watching is what Terrence Ross brings back. And I, I don't think it's going to be much. No, it might be like a trade exception in like a second at this rate. Like it's, it's not looking good. Um, you know, it, it literally have to be another contract that's going to expire in the summer because then like, we might as well just hold on to Ross and just, you know, let them expire so that, you know, we have our, our, our open salaries cap space when much bigger free agents are available next summer. So yeah, that's it on that. Um, all right. Few other, two more things. I know this is a long pod, but uh, Summer League in Vegas is approaching. The Magic roster is being put together as we speak. Paolo is going to get to face Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet Holmgren. Um, you know, the Magic won't have Jalen Suggs, who is rehabbing from ankle surgery. But Summer League for the Magic starts uh, against Houston July 7th. That's a 10 p.m. tip. So, uh, you know, I'll be in Greece during free agency and during this Summer League time. So, you know, we're not going to record anything till after summer league, but Penny, it looks like you're going to be up late watching, potentially watching this game, or you can just DVR and watch it later. But, um, you know, the magic are going to play five games. All teams play five games. The schedule's out for the first four, three of those four games are on ESPN. Uh, and like I said, yeah, the magic play, uh, yeah, the magic face Jabari and, and Houston July 7th. And then, I think it's a week later they they take on Chet and OKC. But any summer league thoughts? You you know I put zero stock in the summer league. Um, but that yeah. being said, I will be watching and dissecting every second. Yeah, especially last year was so weird. Suggs looked good in summer league. Franz looked horrible, and we know how the season turned out. Um, they were experimenting with the brand new basketball at summer league, so like guys like Cole Anthony were struggling. So, uh, as long as uh, as long as they look competent, the guys out there, then it's fine. Um, yeah. I'm not expecting Paolo Benquer to have like a 40 point game. Like that would be insane. If he did that, like I would actually probably put some stock into that, but um, just look, just look competent and 
let's get into the training camp and preseason healthy because yep. obviously the magic the last two years have led the the league in games lost due to injury and uh, COVID-19. All right. Lastly, Steve Clifford's going back to Charlotte to be the Hornets head coach after Kenny Atkinson took the job, won a title with Golden State, uh, you know, as one of Steve Kerr's assistants, and then said, nah, I'm good. I'm staying in California and backed out of the job. Terry Stotts and Mike D'Antoni were, I thought, waiting in the wings, but no, Michael Jordan's bringing Steve Clifford back. You know, he got them to two playoff appearances. Uh, during his 2013 to 2018 stint before being fired. It's a little bizarre, but he actually makes sense, I think, for that team that doesn't defend and just could actually use the discipline. And the whole thing about him not developing young players is bullshit, okay? I agree with that. I thought it was funny in the press release that they said, basically, we, we, we demanded and he agreed that he would continue to play at the offensive tempo that our fans are used to from the last season or whatever. So there you go trying to get out in front of it, but there's no question he'll make the team better defensively. Um, I think it's uh, obviously a rare situation to have him boomerang back to the same city. Um, but I don't think there's any roster holdovers remaining. So Miles Bridges. Just, other other well for now um so we'll see there but at least it'll mostly be a a fresh voice you know yeah all right well we appreciate you listening to another episode please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating uh tweet us any of your questions and feedback penny what's your twitter handle and do you have any other thoughts before we close this out I, that, I think we did it all today. And if you want to hear anything else from me, you can find me at Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.